This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Odyssey Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi, and every river, lake, and field in between... Let's talk everything outdoors. Aboard! Ha ha ha! You're on the crazy train! <laughs> Welcome to the Wacky Walleye Cutting Edge Outdoor Show. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on 12:50 a.m. The Fan. Well, good morning to you one and all. I'm Tom Neubauer, and today I'm bushless, which that means that Danny Bush is not with me today. He's trying to get a bear, or actually he's helping a friend get a bear. So it's going to be you and me today, folks. And, you know, every Saturday morning we come to you live right here on 1250 AM, The Fan, every Saturday morning from 6 to 8 AM. But you can be part of the show if you want, and I hope you are today. All you got to do is call us at 414-799-1250, or you can email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. Sam Schmitz is on the board today, and he will be taking your phone calls. So here we go. Let's start off with uh, some news, okay? And here's one I got for you. A monkey, now this was accidental, of course. I'm sure the monkey didn't mean to do it. This is all an accident. But a monkey accidentally took a selfie of himself, right? And the nuts at PETA sued to get a judge to give the monkey photo rights. This is what they're suing for. So these are the same people. Now remember, they're suing to get this monkey photo rights. These are the same people that want to stop the wolf season in Wisconsin. Animal rights groups sued to stop Wisconsin wolf season. A coalition of animal rights groups filed a lawsuit October, um, excuse me, August 31st to stop Wisconsin's wolf season this fall and invalidate a state law mandating annual hunting and trapping seasons. So, you know, these are the same nuts that, you know, if they want to sue to get a monkey photo rights, but yet they also want to sue to stop us from, you know, harvesting wolves. Now, here's one thing I can tell you about the wolves and what the DNR, I think, should do. Of course, I'm no expert, but the DNR, you know, wants to bring the wolf population. They always wanted a wolf population of like 350 in the state. 
Now, the DNR says there's about 1,000, which most people in northern Wisconsin will say bah humbug to that, that there's a lot more than 1,000. But if the DNR wants to bring the wolf season down to 350, what, you know, why give 160 permits to harvest wolves instead of giving 650 permits? You know, doesn't that seem logical? You you want 350 wolves in the state, but yet you only want to get rid of 160 out of 1,000? No, you, you get rid of 650. Oh, well. If you got any thoughts about that, 799-1250 is the phone number. I got, uh, I got to check this out here. I think I got another email here. No? We got several emails here. Uh, our friend Bruce, the Uper, went fishing on Thursday. He also... Uh, Bruce the Uper has always got to give us a little note, drop us a note to tell us he went fishing and what he caught. But the interesting thing that he said was that the water temperature was 70 degrees. Now, that just tells you that the water temperature is going down and, you know, fall is on its way. And with that 70-degree water temp and it's going down, once that water temperature gets into the low 60s, you're going to see more of those big pike coming into the weedy areas, into the weedy bays. Now, to give you an example, last year when I was up in Manaqua with uh, my son Chris, we were fishing uh, on Manaqua Lake in, in a place called, uh, oh, I can't remember the bay now. I can't remember the name of it. But anyway, we're in this bay, and it's a bay that's generally good for muskies or northerns, you know. And the water temperature last year was like 63 degrees. And we caught five big northern pike. And I'll tell you what, if you can catch a three-foot northern pike in Wisconsin, that's a darn nice fish, okay? That's a nice northern pike. Let's face it, we're, we're used to catching those 20-inchers, right? 20, 24-inchers, whatever. So a three-footer is really nice. And we caught five really nice pike. Now, this year, when we were up there, the water temperature was 70, I forget exactly, in the low 70s. Guess what? No big northern pike in that bay. So it just goes to show that when, when that water temperature drops, you will find those bigger northern pike coming into that those shallower bays, the weedy bays, they're coming in there. So that's to look forward to. I got another one here. This is from Robert. Robert said, I didn't you... I didn't hear you have the NFL picks last week, so my pick for last week is that the Packers are going to lose big. Well, yeah, we already know that, Robert. Uh, but, but yeah, I guess we're not doing the NFL football picking contest this year. No, we're not? No. Um, I, I'm going to have to talk to our advertising manager. And, you know, we've got a new one for a year now, and... Um, I, I, I got to call him and ask him what happened, you know, what happened to that. So, But we can still play the game, Sam. Oh, know. absolutely. We can get some callers and participate in all that. It's always yeah. a fun time. Yeah, we'll do that after the 7.15 break like we always do. We can still talk about it because, oh, boy, there's a lot to talk about. Oh, you know what my neighbor said, Sam, about last week's game? We were talking about the Packers game, and he said there's only two things that went wrong with the Packers last week. And I said, oh, what's that? He said, offense and defense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much everything went wrong except for special teams. 
Yeah, exactly. So anyway, uh, now here, where are we? Okay, here's another bit of information. Have any of you ever heard of a silver pike? A Madison fishing guide named Noah Humfield caught a 26-inch silver pike in June on Lake Monona. Now, I personally, I think I heard of a silver pike many years ago, but I also heard of a blue pike that was caught in um, in Minnesota on a Minnesota lake many years ago. Uh, so I was just wondering if any of our callers ever heard or caught a silver pike or a blue pike. And literally, the silver pike, uh, it, it's, it doesn't have any of those spots. It's not any, there's no green coloration, no spots, you know. I mean, it's just the silver. And a blue pike is the same thing. It's got a bluish hint to it, no green, no spots, you know, just one solid color. So, anyway, if anybody has caught one or seen one, uh, you can always give me a buzz and let me know about that here I here at the show at seven nine nine twelve fifty, yeah, that's that's kind of different. Also, let's you know. Oh yeah, gotta tell you about this hook and line sturgeon season. The Lake Sturgeon Inland Hook and Line season opened September fourth and will run through September thirtieth. Well, let's you know what do we got? We got a couple weeks left, I guess. On certain waters, you get you gotta check with the DNR to make sure you know what waters you gotta go to. You gotta have a tag, a harvest tag. Um, I mean, I've I've never fished for open water sturgeon. I don't know if any of you folks have. If you have, give me a call and let me know about it. Because, uh, like I said, I I mean, I've seen shows on it. You know, I think, uh, boy, did Gillespie do a show on that, or was it Larry Smith? Uh, and basically, all they did was clump a couple of big night crawlers on a hook with a sinker and fishing below a dam. I think it was on the Wisconsin River. And uh, that was it, you know, and until all of a sudden the line starts going off and it's like, hey, I got a fish on. So, yeah, uh, sturgeon spearing, that's, like I said, that's something that I've never done. And they got to be a minimum size. I forget what it is. I think it's at least 45 inches. So it's got to be a pretty good size pert, I mean, uh, salmon. Now, here's another, looking for a job. Hey, there's a lot, you know, Speaking about jobs, why is it there are so many job openings, but so many people don't want them? And a lot of places are opening. I mean, they're they're hiring, and their opening salary or starting salary is a lot more than minimum wage, a lot more now. And uh, so they're paying a lot more. But here, if you're looking for a job, the DNR has got a shortage of wildlife employees. That's right. They need, now this is roughly... They need 12 wildlife biologists. They need 11 wildlife technicians. They need a couple of area supervisors. Uh, and, you know, and they also, here, here's some other ones they need. They need uh, an upland specialist. I guess that's upland bird specialist. Forest habitat specialist. And an NED deer biologist. I don't know what NED is. But the, the, the DNR needs a whole bunch of people. Now, I don't know if they just lost the people through attrition, retiring over the years or whatever, but they sure need a bunch of people. Now, some of these, I would imagine, needs uh, a little college education, okay? so But if you're interested, hey, call the DNR. they got a lot of things going on. Another thing I wanted to bring up, 
in this first segment. And maybe during the next segment we can give a call to uh, Jason Woda. Uh, he's a charter captain on Lake Michigan, and uh, he gets up early in the morning, you know, because he goes out on the charter trips early in the morning. And maybe we can talk to him for a few minutes, either Jason Woda or Sean Gillis. Either one of the two, because uh, they're up, like I said, they're up early. Now, this is what I wanted to bring up. Remember last week, Bushy and I were talking about these photos and magazines now where the people are holding the fish, I mean literally, I mean literally, right in front of the camera lens, okay? Right in front of the camera lens. So that I'm looking at one right now that was in Wisconsin Outdoor News, and then there was one in... Uh, Badger Sports or Magazine, where you can count every individual scale. I'm looking at one of a perch, and then in Wisconsin Magazine, I forget if it was a walleye or a small, I think it was a smallmouth. You can count individual scales. That's how close they have that fish to the camera. It's like, folks, there's another picture in the Wisconsin Outdoor News of a guy holding uh, a smallmouth normally, and it looks good. There's another picture of a person holding a walleye. Normally, it looks good. Not where they you put it right up, I mean, literally right in front of the camera lens. Now, I think you're a little close when you can count individual scales of a fish. So I don't know what these people are trying to do. Who are they trying to fool, all right, uh, or trying to kid? But since we are talking about perch, because I said this picture was of, did I tell you? It's a picture of a perch. Uh, that I'm counting the scales on. But anyway, since we're talking about perch, we're getting into the time of the season pretty soon now, and I've, <laughs> I've experienced this myself a lot, that early fall, those, those perch move in. They move into shallower water. Later on in the fall, they'll move out into deeper water. But early in the fall, temperature, water temperature might be in the low 60s again, and maybe that's why the northern pike are in there feeding on those perch. But the perch come into the shallower water. And my sons and I, we have fished like Oconomowoc Lake for big perch and Nagawica for big perch in the fall. And guess where we find them? They're anywhere from, we've found them as shallow as two, three feet of water. But generally they're in that five, six feet of water area. And I'm telling you, they're there. Now, granted, you have to sort through them. You get a lot of little ones in our area lakes uh, because, you know, there's a lot of little perch in them. But you'll catch enough of those 10-inchers, let's say 9 to 10-inchers, to make it worthwhile. Um, Now, some lakes you can do that in the summer, too, if you find them. But, like I said, this fall coming up, we're going to be into some really good fishing. And right now, coming up, we've got our first break of the day. Hey, Tom. yeah. Real quick, before we go to break, do you want to get a caller in? Yeah, sure. Love to. All right, let's go to Rich in Milwaukee. All right, good morning, Rich. How you doing today? Hey, hi, Tom. Hey, uh, a comment on this on these uh, blue fish species. Oh, the I, blue pike? I, I'm a big guy around Mesita, which is uh, Yellow River. Okay. And I don't know what it is, but I've caught at least two northern pike that I swear were blue. Oh, you now these 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 had did have the spot type thing. They weren't they weren't uh, like you said spotless like the silver pike. Okay. 
And I've actually caught a blue walleye up there as well. Yeah, and, walleyes uh, can have that blue hue, too. You should let the DNR know when you've caught one of those weird fish. Uh, they're interested in knowing those things. You know, are you talking like all different species, or just with those with those? Well, no. Any if you catch something weird, a weird color species of any of any fish, you know, yeah. if it's if it's weird and doesn't look right, let the DNR know because they're interested in knowing what's going on because they might be uh, co-spawning, interspawning, you know, with some other fish, you know. Yeah. And they'd like to know information like that. Yeah, I'd let them know. Not to not to change the subject quick, but did you ever catch or hear of a moon eye? Yes. Okay, yeah, I they're... caught one years ago on uh, Butamore, off the Butamore Bridge. And okay. Boy, what a unusual-looking fish. Yeah, they have some in the Fox River up by Green Bay, the Moon Eyes. Yeah, they're, they're goofy. <laughs> they, they, are <laughs> they, goofy. they look alien. <laughs> they do. <laughs> they do. Hey, well, okay. thanks for the info. Hey, talk to you later. Thanks. All righty, bye-bye. So with that, folks. We're going to go to a quick break, all right? So stay tuned for more of the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. Well, as we were talking earlier, folks, we were waiting. We're going to talk to Captain Jason Woda. He's on the line with us now. Good morning, Captain Jason. Morning, Tom. How are you? I'm good. Hey, listen, are you going out this morning? Uh, no, it's uh, it's a little bit a little bit breezy. <laughs> oh, it is. I mean, I have not been outside this morning, so I I did not know that. A little too windy. Eh? So, how has been fishing on on uh, the big pond? It's been it's been excellent, to be honest with you. You know, the last couple of years have been kind of a roller coaster, and this season as a whole really really took off. Um, we're starting to see the effects of all the increased stocking over the last couple of years, so. It was a really, really solid year, and it's it's not slowing down this fall. It's been really are you, good. Are you catching more larger Chinook salmon this year? Uh, well, right now we're fishing steelhead. Um, okay. But the Kings earlier in the season, yeah, they were they were big. We, there's a lot of big fish caught this year, a ton. Now, what about are the are the salmon moving closer to shore now? Uh, they're they're in the harbor areas now. Um, in all the all the gaps here in Milwaukee and in the marina itself, they're they're here, but we weren't weren't blessed with cold water this year, so it really it really stumped that bite quite a bit. Oh, uh, it, it cooled off yesterday for a day before this wind switched back to the northeast, and uh, yesterday some guys got some. Now today, I, I would assume it's going to be a struggle. If when you say you were fishing for uh, the rainbows uh, for the steelhead, now how far out are you going for those? Uh, anywhere from eight to eleven miles. Wow! Can you range. see shore from that far out? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> Milwaukee has the buildings. You can. You can oh see okay. Building, but, see, I'd know, be a little uh, nervous if I couldn't see shore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some people, some people freak out about it, but it's 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 kind of the holy grail of where you need to be right now. If you're not going right? there, you yeah, you're not. You'll catch a couple fish, but out there, I think yesterday morning we ended up with twenty one. Oh wow. Um, had 40 bites. I mean, it was it was pretty crazy. Yeah. Okay. Like now, if, if you you have are you booked up pretty good for this fall? Uh, yeah and no. Weekends are always stuffed. Um, that's when everybody wants to go. But sure, we definitely have openings. Um, and it's it's a really good bite. 
I've yeah, I, w- I, would ima- I would imagine during the week fishing, I mean, weekends it's busy, a lot of boats out, but during the week might be a little bit nicer, eh? Oh, it's way better. Yeah. It's, it's uh, you know, then we have more options available to us. You know, we could have went this morning and, and rolled around in the harbor, and we probably would have caught a couple big kings. Um, but charter fishing at times is more of a numbers game when you have the bigger groups. Right. So you really have to decipher, you know, you really have to decipher where your, your money is best spent. And uh, I'm sure we could have went in and, and caught a couple in the harbor this morning, but my group was like, no, we, we'd really like to get out in the lake. So I said, okay. And there's there's easily 40 to 50 boats in probably a half-square-mile area here this morning. So it's, Oh, wow. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Well, I'll tell you, my, my son Nick and his uh, sister-in-law bought a trip with you last yep. year, and I'll tell you what, he was so impressed with you and your crew and just the fishing in general it was just great he was really really that was the first time he ever did that you know with a charter captain and he was really impressed with you he tells all his friends about you know if they're going to hire somebody to hire you so yeah they they he, he appreciated what you guys did for him too now are you guys uh, are you using flies still now the flashers and flies typically yes the the one thing I can tell you about this year uh, that might be different from the last four or five is we had a lot of days where spoons were actually a little bit better, and we haven't seen that in a long, long time. Huh. Um, I don't know if it's because of water clarity or because of the size and the amount of bait fish that we had this year. Uh, the, the amount of the amount of bait fish we saw this year was was pretty epic. It was there's a lot of food, a lot, and that's why we're seeing those big kings. Now, when you say bait fish, are you talking alewives mainly? Yep, yep, yeah. all alewives. Um, from what we saw this year, uh, in the beginning of spring, we had alewives that were up to like eight inches. Those were the big, super mature ones. Yeah. Um, and then throughout the year, it's we we've seen oh at least three different year classes of alewives and in, in stomachs of the fish. It's 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 just really good to see. It's that's the future. Now, earlier you said something about <laughs> DNR doing a lot of stocking over the years. What, what can you tell us about that? Well, oh, boy, I don't know if we got enough time on the show, but... Oh, okay, make uh, it quick. How's that? <laughs> yeah, quick. Um, so anyways, five, six years ago, they wanted to reduce king stocking by about 60%. Yeah. Um, myself and seven other charter captains started an organization, uh, hired representation, got that cut stopped, and now two years ago, we actually increased by 50% on Chinook stocking. And and the rest of the, the species as well. Everything has gotten an increase in the last two years. Um, and now we're going into the third year of those increases and, and the fishing starting to show for it. Um, the reason they wanted to make that cut is they thought there was a problem at bait fish. Us guys weren't buying it. So we did a whole bunch of studies on our own, proved that we were right, and the DNR kind of turned it around. <laughs> well, you know, some sometimes you have to do that, you know. Uh, you, I mean, you know, Danny kind of gets at me, gets on me because you know sometimes i don't agree with the dnr and uh and i always say like hey you know in america we can disagree you know and uh i might not be right but at least you know i can disagree if i want i can put my two cents out there and i'm glad you guys did it because without that we wouldn't have the great fishing like we have in the lake today you know so that's correct it's correct it was a it's a long process and you know, like you said, we we have people that some that don't agree, and and that's that is what it is. But 
it's a uh, it's a good thing, and the, and the lake has has made a turnaround. Fishing fishing after 2012 was starting to get tough. Yeah, and, I just uh, wish we could get the perch back like it was. You know, that would be nice. Hey, you but. know, I've been talking to scientists over the last five years, and everybody wants to say that the zebra mussel is the biggest cause of, of that problem. Um, but now, as studies keep coming out more and more, uh, gobies are actually actually the biggest part of the issue. Probably um, eating all the perch eggs. Yep, they eat all the perch eggs. They eat a lot of the smelt eggs. They they eat everything. Um, you know, and, and perch the way they lay their eggs or lay them on you know the leaves of weeds, and those gobies just pick it right off of there. Oh, jeez. So, well, and, and there's no. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I said, and there's no natural predator that we can we can count on to kind of keep the gobies at bay. They're just they just well, are what they the, are. Up on the bay in Green Bay, the smallmouth bass are doing their best. They're trying to eat as oh, many I, as they can, but there's just too darn many of them. Exactly. So exactly. if people want to go out with you, how do they get in touch with you? Um, there's multiple ways. Uh, obviously, any social media outlet. Uh, if you look up Real Sensation Charters, you'll find me there. Uh, if not, give me a call. Uh, my number is 414-384-8096. If you don't get me there, you can always jump on my website at www.realsensation.com. But that's what they got to remember, Real Sensations. Yep. <laughs> that's yep. what they got to remember. Spelled like fishing reel, of course. Right. Well, Jason, thanks for coming on with us for a few minutes. You're always a, a delight to have on. You've got so much good information. We do appreciate it. All right, Tom. You guys enjoy the rest of your day. All right. Thank you. You too. Bye now. And that was Captain Jason Woda of Real Sensations Charters. Uh, like I said before, I can, I, my son Nick can attest that uh, he does a great job. So if you're thinking about going out there, he's one of the one of the good ones out there. So, and I'm sure there's other good ones too. So anyway, uh, we got to go to a bottom of the hour break coming up here. And what we got coming up next is the horn. Sh- uh, excuse me, the the gut report. And at after the 6:45 break, we got the horn schwaggle. And today on the horn schwaggle, I'm doing the questions. And don't hate me, but <laughs> they're not easy ones. But look at it this way: you got a 50-50 chance, right? It's either true or false. 50-50 shot at it. So uh, stay tuned for a lot more. Coming up next, like I said, is the gut report, and uh, I'll be right back. I'm Tom Newbauer, your your uh, one and only host for today, waiting for Danny to get back from bear hunting. We'll talk to you in just a few minutes. Stay tuned for more. Come here. I'm going to eat you. I'm bigger than you. I'm higher in the food chain. Get in my belly. The gut report is brought to you by Discount Liquor. Well, you know, my memory fades a little bit, folks, over the years, and I can't remember if I gave you this recipe or not. So if I did already, I apologize. If I didn't, hey, you might want to try it. Okay, we all like eating fish, and a lot of us like tartar sauce with our fish. Here's a tartar sauce from Lily River Foods, and uh, it's pretty good. You take one cup of Hellman's mayonnaise, a third of a cup of uh, uh, pickle relish, a fourth of a cup of dried onion flakes, one teaspoon of yellow mustard, and a half a teaspoon of lemon juice. And then you put in some black pepper to taste and garlic salt to taste. Mix it all up, but 
refrigerated for at least 30 minutes before serving. Let those flavors meld. But today, today you're getting a twofer, all right? You know what that means? Twofer. Did I ever tell you? <laughs> I saw a sign years ago. It said BOGO. You know, a big outdoor sign said BOGO. And I, and I asked Danny on the show, I said, what the heck is a BOGO? I never knew it was buy one, get one. <laughs> but I Don't worry, that. you're not alone on that. I didn't know it stood for that until like a couple of years ago. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah about me too. It was a four or five years, years ago. ago. Yeah. Did you see it on a, like a billboard or something? Uh, I forgot exactly like how I came to the realization, but I was like, oh man, I'm such an idiot. <laughs> I know, it's like BOGO in and wondering, what the hell is a BOGO? <laughs> I think somebody, I was talking to somebody, I think they just referred to it, and I was like, oh. Oh, okay. I know. Like, it's oh. like a, it's like a realization. It's like, oh man, yeah. Such Buy a- one, get one. Oh my goodness. Anyway, so here's the twofer part. Uh, did you know that baking powder can lose its potency when it's stored too long? Generally, it's about twelve months. Okay, that'll stay. But if you're not sure, okay, if you're not sure, put some hot water in a glass or in a cup or whatever, and then. You know, take like a teaspoon of baking powder and put it in the hot water. If it bubbles vigorously, you know, if it starts bubbling, the powder is still active. If the bubbling action is really weak or not even there at all, it's lost its leavening power, and you got to throw it away and get some new stuff. So if, if your stuff that you're baking with baking powder is not rising like it should, well, you might have bad baking power, so you might want to check that out. Anyway, the Gut Report was brought to you by Discount Liquor, where you're going to find the best price selection and service at 51st and Oklahoma in Milwaukee and Main Street and Barstow, Bar, excuse me, Main Street and Barstow in Waukesha. For weekly specials, go to discountliquorinc.com. Alrighty, now we got some stories to tell. All right, are you ready for these? Now, you know we can tell stories about bluegills, walleyes, bass, whatever. But let's face it, we want to hear stories about muskies, the biggest, baddest fish in our Laria lakes. At least we don't have any sharks to talk about. You know, those would be pretty big and bad too. But I'm going to tell you three quick stories. Well, I don't know how quick they are. <coughs> Excuse me, but. It's about when my sons caught their first legal muskie. We'll start off with my oldest son. He's the first one of my sons who caught a legal muskie. He was about 15 years old at the time, and this is oh, this has got to be about 30 years ago. He caught a, a. We were up on up in Manaqua. I was there for. We were both there actually for the World Muskie Hunt. It was the second year for me. It was 1988. Uh, for the World Muskie Hunt, and uh, we were in what's called, or I was in what's called the Winner's Division. And so that night, I had to go to the banquet, okay? I asked my son, Chris, you, you want to come to the banquet, or do you want to stay here and fish? Because we were at a motel, and they'd had, uh, you know, docking facilities for your boat and all that, and it was still light out. And being the fishing nut like he is, you know, he just takes after me, uh, he said, no, I'm going to stay here and fish. He didn't want to go to no dress up and go to no silly banquet. So I went to the banquet, and he went fishing. Well, when I came back, guess what? He had a muskie in the live well. His first muskie, a 40-incher, 
caught on Lake Minocqua, Spax Bay. I just remembered the name of that bay. Remember, I was talking about it earlier, and I couldn't remember the name. It's called Stax Bay. Anyway, so he caught this legal muskie, and he, of course he wanted to show it to me, right? And so he had it in the live well of the boat, and thank goodness it was a long live well, could fit the fish in it. And he had the aerator going a lot to keep it alive, and guess what? The battery died, aerator died, muskie died. So I, I, you know, and I told all my kids, you know, first legal muskie, I'll mount it for you. You know, I'll, I'll pay to have it mounted. So that one, well, we had to mount because it died. Beautiful fish, a guy by the name of Bob from Bob's Taxidermy many years ago. He did the, the taxidermy, and he did a fantastic, beautiful job. Looks like the fish just came out of the water. So, And I forget what my son caught it on. I can't remember. If he was up, I'd call him right now and ask him, but he's not. He's sleeping. Uh, so I, it was, uh, you know, I... I think it was a bucktail, though. I think it was a bucktail that he caught it on, but I'm not positive. But that was his first legal muskie, and I wasn't there to see it or to net it or anything, right? But I'm really proud of him. Did it all by himself at the age of 15. Secondly was my son Nick, the second son. And him and I were on Oconomowoc Lake, and we were bass fishing. And it was in the spring, and uh, the muskies had, of course, had done, been done spawning, and they were, you know, moving into shallower waters and that. And so, uh, you know, or they were still hanging out in some shallower waters, recouping after the spawn, if you will. And we were in this one bay and looking for bass, and we had plastics on. I, You know, to tell you the truth, I don't remember what type of plastic worms or what we had, what we were using, but I remember we had plastics, and our rods had, you know, like eight, ten, ten-pound test, I think. And out of... Uh, there was a clump of weeds, and the head of a muskie was sticking out from the weeds. You know, we're going along and say, look, look, what is that? that? That's the head of a muskie. What is that doing there? Now, at first, we didn't know if it was dead or alive, you know. It was just, just sitting there, just ahead of it, we could see. So I told my son, Nick, I said, why don't you cast over there? Just see if that thing's, uh, see what it is, you know, see if it's alive or not. And he cast over there. The plastic worm went down, and that head of that muskie went down. And next thing I know, my son's setting the hook. The battle went on for, oh, a good five minutes or maybe more, maybe ten minutes. But it went on for a while. He caught his first legal muskie on a plastic worm. It hooked just right, too. I mean, that fish could have bit that line off real easily, but it was hooked just right. And I think that fish was about 40, 42 inches. Uh, maybe 38, 40, 42. I can't remember. It was a nice fish, okay? It was around 40 inches. It was a nice fish. And uh, But I asked him if he wanted him on, and he said, no, I'll get a bigger one. I said, okay. Now, my third son, my youngest son, Andy, and I were on Oconomowoc Lake again. And <laughs> we were fishing an area for bass. And he was throwing a pre-rigged plastic worm. Now, one of my favorites is the Kelly worm. Uh, not available, to, available at all stores, but a lot of stores do carry. you got to ask for it. And uh, but there's also the worm, uh, Bill's worm, Chuck's worm. Even Berkeley makes one called the Power Worm. They, all these companies make a pre-rigged plastic worm. But the first one was the Kelly worm, and that's the one I, I prefer. But I have used the worm a lot too. But anyway, we're going along, and Andy's casting, and I'm casting. And, and what's really nice about the, the pre-rigged plastic worms, you just cast it out, 
let it sink a little bit and just start reeling in. And it's got a corkscrew type action. So anyway, guess what? He, yeah, you got it. He, he got a fish on the line. Uh, at first, we didn't know what it was, but that thing started taking out drag, right? And it's like, oh my goodness, what do you got here? So it's ripping off some drag, and actually, I had to chase it a little bit, you know. And and Andy, he was young at the time, you know. When Nick caught hit, you know, Chris was fifteen. I think Nick was about sixteen or seventeen, and Andy was about fourteen or fifteen, I think. And so, you know, I'm chasing it a little bit with the electric motor. And finally, after a fight of back and forth, he finally got it in the boat. It was about a, I can't remember if it was like 36, 38 inches. And, of course, I asked him, and I knew what the answer was going to be. Before I even asked him, I said, well, do you want it mounted? It's your first legal muskie. And he says, no, I'll wait for a bigger one. Have Andy and Nick caught a bigger one yet? Nope, not yet. <laughs> That's because you got to fish for them more in order to get one. Now, my son Chris has gotten bigger ones, okay? But he's waiting for that. He, since he's already got one on the wall, he said he doesn't really need another one unless it's really, really big. So we're going to wait on that. But those are the three first-time legal fish of my sons, and I was there for two of them. But it's kind of funny. Two of them were caught on plastic worms fishing for bass, uh, and, and that can happen in musky fishing. You know, you never know what you might catch them on. As far as my first legal muskie, you might ask, well, that was back in 1974, a long time ago. I'm an old guy, right? So it was back in 74. I was with my friend Gene Bayer. We were on uh, Palmer Lake up by Boulder Junction and uh, caught my first one there. It, was, it wasn't a monster. It was like a 34, 35 incher. you got to remember, back then the legal size was 32. So 34, 35 inch. I was pretty proud of it. You know, it was pretty neat fish. And uh, but that was my first one. I was kind of addicted after that. And I can tell you more about that story. But when we come back after the hornswoggle, I'm going to tell you about pre-rig plastic worms. How you got to rig them and how you use them. Because I guarantee you, you're going to catch a lot of fish on them. But first of all, we got the hornswoggle coming up, and it's brought to you by Carl's Country Market out there in Menominee Falls. It's uh, on the corner of Pilgrim Road and Silver Spring. They got all these great sausages and meats, and it's, and they got all kinds of good stuff there, okay? So you got to stop and check it out. And you can win a $10 gift certificate if you guess right, you know, two out of three. And also sponsored by Baitmate Fish Attractants and Coleman Insect Repellents. If you win, you'll get a nice prize package from them. So, all you got to do, if you haven't won in the last two months, all you got to do now is call at 414-799-1250. That's 414-799-1250. Be a contestant in the Hornschwaggle. We'll be right back, folks. That's right, folks. It's now time for the Hornschwaggle. And by the way, I like that song. That was a good one. I do too, but every time we play it, Bushy always gives us crap. So he what? Every time we play it, Bushy always wants like uh, more rock and roll and all that. But I like this one. Oh know? yeah, that's good. I also like ZZ Top. Yeah. Songs. Any ZZ Top songs are always good. But anyway, do we have a contestant? Yeah. Let's go to uh, John in Milwaukee. John, you're on the cutting edge outdoors. Hey, good morning, John. Good morning. Uh, now, don't get mad at me. These might be a little tough. Okay. Sure. But you 
really got to win these prizes because these are some nice prizes. Okay, here we go. There are Now, this is true. There are three types of true muskies, clear, barred, and spotted. Now, that's a fact. Now, here's the, 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 here's the statement. The, of the three types of true muskies, they can interspawn or, you know, interbreed with each other. Is that a hornswoggle or no hornswoggle? I'd say no hornswoggle. You're right. Very good. That's one. Yeah. They can, they, that's why, you know, sometimes you get a fish, a muskie that's got like half clear, half barred, partly spotted, partly mm-hmm. barred, partly clear. You know, you can get different combinations. If they're in the sure. same water, yeah, they can interspawn. Okay, here we go. Now, here's a tough one for you. Small, multicolored, you know, pieces of paper or plastic are called confetti. You've heard of that, right? Confetti. Right. One piece, though, one piece is called a confetto. Hornswoggle or no hornswoggle? I say hornswoggle. No, I'm sorry. That is not a hornswoggle. <laughs> that is actually the truth. Uh, uh, the let's you know confetti is the uh, multiple or many of them. Plural. Yeah, yeah, plural. Thank you. I I was missing a word there, and the singular is called confetto. Oh, you learned something today. <laughs> confetto. Mm-hmm. I know. I didn't believe it at first myself. Sounds like an opera or something. I know it doesn't it. Okay, here you go. Now this is this is another tough one. You got a fifty-fifty chance. Chicago is called the Windy City because the velocity the velocity of the wind is the highest in the Midwest. Hornschwaggle or no Hornschwaggle? That's a Hornschwaggle. Uh, I hate to say this, but that is not a Hornschwaggle. Mm. Oh, I thought Milwaukee was. No. The thing is, it's oh. uh, no. Oh, yeah, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're right. I'm sorry. Gee, I get confused with this myself. <laughs> you're you're right. It is a horn swag. It is. A horn it is. You know why it's called the Windy City? It's got Probably nothing been... to do with wind. Nothing at all. A There's back... a lot of airbags down in uh, Not, you, land or what? You're, you're, bing, bing, <laughs> bing. You're hitting it right there. In 1893 was the the world the Chicago World's Fair, also called the Columbian Exposition, and. You know, New York wanted the World's Fair, Chicago wanted the World's Fair, and they were, you know, fighting back and forth, the politicians. And New York put out a bunch of these uh, cartoons which showed their politicians as big windbags blowing these big hot air about their city, right? And that's how it got its name, the Windy City, from the hot air, the windbags of the politicians, yeah. But that's how they got it, so... Do you know? Do you know why they called it the Columbian Expedition? No, I know that's kind of weird. Everybody would well. It was called two things. It was called the Chicago World's Fair or the Columbian Expedition, because it was the 400th anniversary of Columbus discovering America. That oh, why they did wow. that? Who knows, right? Just call it the Dark right. World's Fair. Well, anyway, right. you're a winner, and so you. you stay on the line. And you give, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, Sam, your name and address, and uh, we'll get that stuff out to you as soon as we can, all right? Thank you very much. Hey, you're very welcome. Bye now. Well, how about that? We got us a winner there. And, you know, it's funny. You know, I, I read a book once on, uh, on the, 
1983 or 18, excuse me, 1893 Chicago World's Fair. And I think the book was called The White City because, you know, they built, they literally built a, like, it was like a small city, okay? And everything was painted white. And that's why they call it the White City. They also had this newfangled stuff of these new super-duper electric light bulbs. You know, they were showing those off. The place was just lit up like crazy. And and like I said, they, they, I seen that they in the book they had these cartoons of where they showed the 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 politicians of Chicago like big windbags blowing this hot air, telling about how great their city was. You know, big windbags. That's what the New York people called them. And that's how they got their name, the Windy City. Got nothing to do with air, you know, the, the wind, I should say. No, nothing to do with the velocity of the wind. But anyway, oh, by the way, we got an email here. And if you want to, hey, listen, if you want to be part of the show, all you got to do is call us at 799-1250. That's 414-799-1250. Or you can email me live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. And we have one of those right now from Ted. Ted says, last week you guys were talking about the butt-out tool. You remember us talking about the butt-out tool? If you get a deer to get the anal cavity out, you know, you get this butt-out tool. Anyway, he says, I went to Dunham's on Highway 100, and they had them there. And they had a combo set with the butt-out and the gut-out skinning tool. And he says he enjoys the show. Well, thank you, Ted. I'm glad you enjoyed the show. And I tr- trust me, the show will be better next week when Danny's back, okay? I'm flying solo today. Um, but anyway, yeah, that butt-out tool, and, and everybody, that I've never used one, and everybody I've talked to that said is it really works. It's really something else that makes taking care of that area of the deer a lot, uh, a lot, lot less difficult, let's put it that way, and maybe less stinky. I don't know. Maybe it stinks just as bad. Um, but I told you that after the after the Hornschwago, I was going to tell you about these pre-rig plastic worms. Now, the original pre-rig plastic worm actually was something made by cream. That was a long time ago, right? This was back, oh boy, probably in the 50s. And it just was a really hard hunk of plastic, had a, a liter li- line of some heavy monofilament. It had two hooks in it one in the front, one in the middle. It was very unattractive worm. But I'm sure it caught some fish, right? It was very, not a good-looking worm, right? And it was, the plastic was real hard. It wasn't supple at all. But then in 1960, oh, I'm guessing here, 63 or 68, I can't remember exactly, 63, I think, uh, the Kelly's Annealed Bait Company down in Fort Wayne, Indiana, came out with this thing called a Kelly worm. And there were a couple different varieties, but they're Pure Boy Special. That's my favorite, Pure Boy Special. It's got a hook in the front, in the middle, and one right at the tail end. I can't tell you how many panfish I've caught that were just nipping at the tail end and caught them. I can't tell you how many bass I caught that were just nipping at the tail end and caught them. Now, it's got about a six-inch leader line to it with a little loop knot up in the front. Now, what you have to do to work these proper... Oh, and by the way, they're kind of bent, okay? The reason they're bent is because when you're reeling them in, they come in, it looks like a corkscrew, spinning like a corkscrew. That action somehow drives the bass nuts. Well, 
anyway, what you got to do is you got to put a ball bearing snap swivel at the end of your line. You can't just use a regular snap. You got to use a ball bearing snap swivel. You tie that on the line on your line. Then you're going to snap, you know, with that little loop on that leader line from the pre-rig plastic worm. It's got that little loop. You put that on the snap swivel. Then you take a size three slash zero. You've seen those sinkers. 3-aught, they're called, 3-0. Okay, you take that size sinker and you put that and you clip it onto the loop part because then it won't slide down towards the worm. can't slide up because you got the swivel there, but it can't slide down either. Then you cast it out as far as you can, count to five and just start reeling it in. Reel it in fast enough just so that it's spinning around, okay? You'd be surprised how many fish you're going to catch. Now, if you're fishing deeper water with it, let's say you're fishing a deep weed line, you want it to go down to 10, 12 feet, just put a size number four split shot maybe on it. When I used to have my sport shop, I guaranteed people that they would catch fish on it or I would buy it back. Now, I'm serious. That's what I did. I'd tell a guy, you want to catch fish? You put one and I'd explain to him how to rig it up. And I'd say, I guarantee you're going to catch some kind of fish on it. And if you don't, you bring it back. I'll buy it back. And I'll tell you what, folks, I never had to buy another one back. Anyway, we got to go to the top of the hour break at 6.58. We'll come back a little after 7 o'clock. So hopefully, hopefully, and during the 7 o'clock hour, we'll talk to uh, either um, either Tilkey at Smokey's on the Bay, find out what's going up on up there at the Bay of Green Bay, or maybe we'll talk to uh, uh, Mike over at Dick Smith's Bait and Tackle. So either one, Smokey's on the Bay, Dick Smith, we'll find out. We'll find one of them to talk to, okay? Get some up-to-date information. And with that, we'll be right back with more of the Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors brought to you by Baitmate Fish Attractants. I'm Tom Newbauer. Stay tuned for more. The following is paid commercial programming. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Odyssey Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi, and every river, lake, and field in between, let's talk everything outdoors. Aboard! Ha, ha, ha! You're on the crazy train! <laughs> Welcome to the Wacky Walleye Cutting Edge Outdoors Show. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on 1250 AM, The Fan. Well, a second good morning to you all, folks. Glad you're here with us. And uh, if you want to be part of the show, all you got to do is call us at 799-1250. That's 414-799-1250. Or you can email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. We come to you every Saturday morning from 6 to uh, from six to 8 a.m., and we are live. I am Tom Neubauer, and I'm bushless today. Danny Bush is off trying to get a friend a bear this week so i'm here by myself but not totally by myself right now we've got tilkey from Smokies on the bay on the line good morning tilkey how you doing there buddy and well i'm getting through this i mean the show is always better when danny's here with me but uh, we're, we're muddling through but the reason i wanted to talk to you was to find out what's going on up on the bay so this well year. the bay is the bay's on fire right now 
And I don't know if you, you've heard, the perch fishing has just been uh, fantastic. It's unbelievable. Guys are catching their limits. The jumbo perch on the east shore, the west shore, it's just been phenomenal. And along with that, the walleye bite is really, really good. And my favorite fish, the muskies, are really starting to pop right now. There's guys catching personal bass, 55s, 54s. Wow. It's really, really exciting. You know, I heard earlier in the year the, the walleye bite was a little slow midsummer. But, you know, some of the guides who who, uh, who go on Facebook, they were still showing limits of walleyes, you know, and it's like, well, these guys are, but then again, they're the guides. They know where to go, right? Well, if you come down to the shop, it's not too hard to figure out where the walleyes are. And what's really going on good now, instead of, uh, you know, trolling the, the harnesses and your crankbaits, this rip jigging has really, really taken off down here in the lower bay. Okay, and I suppose I you have you, all it, the rip jigs to go, right? Well, it, yeah, we have everything in stock, and but it's it's a lot more fun. You're sitting there, you know, rip jigging, and that those fish are hitting on, on the when the bait's on the downfall, and it's it's very exciting and it's a lot of fun. You know, I can't wait to come up there to go perch fishing this coming year. I don't know if I'll make it up there this year, but. Uh, next year for sure because you know years ago we used to come up to the bay and catch all those nice big fat perch you know it was terrific and then yeah it, it's, years it's just crazy it, what's, what's going on i think with that uh with the higher water level levels it made more habitat for those perch to spawn and by that happening we just have so many nice perch and then they're almost all big ones. They're, guys are catching 13, 14 inches, and, and that's a nice perch. Oh, those are huge. Now, well, exactly. The, well, how how much higher is the water over last year? Well, well, the water it, or, it's it, it's higher over the years. It's down from last year, but it, we're still a good you know foot and a half, maybe two feet up. From, okay, from, because from, from the normal there, years, the water levels way down. Yeah, it, it, but the bay here is, is is it's still consistent. It's pretty good. You know, it just allowed for more vegetation to grow up, so like uh, the northern pike and those perch can get in those weed beds and spawn, yeah, and uh, and give give them protection against bigger predator fish. So it's it's working out really well. Now, now for the muskies, you, you've got all that major tackle, right? Oh, I got everything for anything to catch a muskie on the Bay of Green Bay. I have in my store. You got it. Now, how big is your store? I now you know I have to admit. Now Danny's been up by you. Yeah, you know, Danny's he's been here. Like he's not 10 here times. Today, he's been up there by you, and I've I've never been up there. Okay, I've never seen your shop. How big is it? Well, our shop is it, it's it's sixty by hundred and twenty. Oh, that's pretty good size shop. So, so it's a it's a big shop, and and what we do, we just specialize on on the bait of Green Bay. So we have your custom perch rigs. We have uh, custom painted walleye lures. We got rip jigs, custom painted musky stuff. And, and you so, got the live bait too, right? We got live bait, and uh, like the sucker bite. There, there's not a lot of sucker fishing on the Bay of Green Bay because it's just too big of an area. But right. we do carry suckers to go to the smaller inland lakes. Right. Yeah. And there, and there, and, and uh, are there many smaller inland lakes around you? Well, there's there's a few lakes. You know, you got Shano Lake, and, and there's a bunch of little pockets around there. And then uh, East Alaska is a good lake to go to. And okay. then we got in Manitowoc County. There, there's there's a bunch of little lakes around here that have, so, have muskies. So when people come come to your shop and they say, "Hey, Tilky, I'd like to catch some walleyes today. Where can I go?" You can point them in the right direction, right? Yeah, we have like our little entertainment room. We call it. It's called the Muskelope Lounge. 
<laughs> and I got a, I got a table there, and, and I got uh, big maps laid on the table, and uh, we'll show you right exactly where to go, how to catch them, and what stuff to use. Well, that sounds really interesting. Now, how right. do people find your place? Well, we're located, if everybody knows, well, Green Bay, um, and we're right across from the Metro Launch. We're in the South Bay Marina uh, complex. So if you just, everybody knows about Bay Beach, that amusement park, and so we're right down, right on the mouth of the, of the river going into the uh, Bay of Green Bay. So if they were to Google Muskie, uh, Smokies on the Bay, It'll 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 have a spot to click on directions, right? Exactly. It's one 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 Bay Beach Road, All Green right. Bay, Wisconsin. Well, oh, and what about the smallmouth? You said the perch is good, the muskie well, is good, the walleye okay, is good. Well, smallmouth. A lot of guys, what they do, they go up to the, like the Sturgeon Bay, Door County area for the smallmouth. Yeah. Um, there are some smallmouth around here, but the smallmouth bite. We sell a lot of uh, sucker minnows and stuff like that because the smallmouth bite in the fall is is just a phenomenal and it's go, going really good right now also but oh, that's me, what, about 30 40 miles north of me okay now let me ask you this mm-hmm. do you where do you think the next world record muskie will come from i hope green bay <laughs> I, I hope so too there, there's been some some big uh, some big pigs caught this year and uh it's it's crazy you know guys are going out there and some some guys are popping two three muskies in, in a day and, and, and people that, that really haven't done it before have been coming in here. We're showing them the right baits, telling them the right speed to use when they're trolling or the right lure to cast and put them on that spot, and it's just been crazy. The and, fish uh, have been caught. The size limit now is, what, 54 or 56? It has to be 54 to keep it. Yeah, but 54. You don't want to keep it. You'll catch and release, not in the grease. As we say here. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. who'd want to eat a that fish? No, that big, they would, they're, no, they're no good to eat. And and uh, if you get a replica made by like uh, Lax, yeah. it, he does such a fantastic job. You can't tell the difference. Yeah, that's that's the way to go, especially with fish that big. You know, I mean, it, exactly. Exactly. I look at it this way: the the next muskie I keep will have to be a world record. Yeah, <laughs> that's you know? the only one. Well, yeah, and you know, there, there's been some big, uh, some really big fish caught this year. You know, and you know, the funny thing is, like last that. night, last night, Toki, I actually had a dream about me catching the world record muskie. So oh God, <laughs> I'm going to have to come up there and try it. So, anyway. well, you got to catch one, one of my tyrant lures. That would really be good. There we go. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Oh, for well, sure. Well, listen, thanks for taking a few minutes with us today. We do appreciate it. Oh, no problem whatsoever. You guys call anytime and. Uh, Get your butt up here, too, because, like, when Danny's coming up here, because he went out here last year ice fishing. Yeah, yeah. And we have some really, really good ice fishing down here for giant pike. Yeah, he caught, what was it, it, like a 42-incher or something? He got a 42-incher. I I showed him where to go, and you can look right out my window and see where we fish. Really? uh, Wow. He he had a a ball. He had a ball. I I think you might find a few more ice anglers coming up by you this year. Well, I think so. It's it's been really, really good. So fantastic. All right. Well, you know what? I'm just gonna have to take a ride up by you one of these days, whether I'm fishing or not. I'm just gonna. Well, have to you're take more than welcome. Up. I'll buy you a cold one. All right. I'll take you up on that. All right. Okay. Thank you so much okay. for calling. Sure. Thank you, Tilky. Take care. All right. Have, have a good day, you guys. Okay. Bye now. That was Tilky from uh, Smokies on the Bay up there in Green Bay. And they do have the information that you need, folks. If you're if you're going to fish the bay, especially the lower bay, 
Uh, they'll tell you where to go, what to use, how to use it. And, you know, they're, like he said, they're right on the mouth of the, of the Fox River up there. Oh, and here's a little-known tidbit about the Fox River in that area. Uh, it, it's one of the few rivers that flows north, it, you know, which is really weird because if you're talking about downriver, you're talking about downriver north. Normally, you talk about downriver south and upriver north, but it's just the opposite, which is very confusing sometimes when you're not thinking about it. Yeah, it's one of the few rivers that does that. And the Fox River, I'll tell you what, you know, I, I used to fish it in the spring looking for one of those monster walleyes. And the only problem, though, is if you go there in the spring when there's a 28-inch size limit, you go there in the spring and there's just a ton of boats. I mean, oh, my goodness, it's like the the, the United States of America's 7th Fleet just moved in, you know. I mean, my goodness, a lot of boats. But if you go in the fall, um, I'll tell you, there's less boats. Fishing is still really good. Granted, you probably won't catch that uh, egg-laden female that's weighing 10, 12, 14 pounds or something like that. You might not catch one of those. But I'll tell you what, you'll catch a numbers of fish, and you'll catch some of those nice four, five, six-pounders. And the main thing is that there's not as many boats. And the one thing you got to remember, if you're fishing that Fox River up there, you don't have to go up by the dam. Now, you're going to find most boats up by the dam. I'll tell you what, there's plenty of other good places to fish up there, plenty of good places on the river to fish. And, well, heck, I might even be, if you, if you ask me a question, I might even give you an answer on where to go. But what we're going to do right after this break is we're going to talk a little Packers football since we're not playing the football, the NFL football picking contest. Since we're not playing that, uh, we're going to talk a little Packers football with Sam, the expert on when it comes to all things sports. And uh, let's see now, there was one other thing I was going to tell you, but you know what? I forget sometimes what I'm going to say. So listen, we're going to be right back in just a few minutes. So stay tuned. We're brought to you by Baitmate Fish Attractants. We'll be right back with more of the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. glad you're sticking around with us this morning. I just want to remind you that we here at the Cutting Edge Outdoors want to thank the police department, fire departments, first responders, and our military for doing the great jobs that they're doing. We do back the badge here at the Cutting Edge Outdoors because that's one heck of a tough job they got. And uh, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't want to do it. Anyway, Sam, good morning. Good morning. Now, Last week, what happened to the Packers besides bad offense and defense? <laughs> what uh, well, let's um, let's break it down. Let's start with the defensive side of things because um, I think that's where, yeah, Aaron Rodgers had a terrible game. I mean, there's no way of, you know, cutting corners or shifting blame or anything. Aaron Rodgers had a terrible game. That second interception that he threw was probably, I kid you not, like the worst interception I think I've ever seen him throw, especially when you hear him talk in the press, you know, post-game press conference afterwards saying that he didn't even see like the safety on that second pick, which I don't know about you, Tom, but when you hear from Aaron Rodgers and all that, that guy recollects everything that happens on the football field. 
And to hear him say that he didn't see a safety and all that, that just blew my mind. I mean, we were talking to our uh, Green Bay football insider, Ryan Wood, on the Rami show a couple days ago, and even he was saying how that one comment was just was just baffling to him because you just don't hear that from Aaron Rodgers. So um, aside from that, I do want to start on defense because I think that's where the biggest glaring issues are. And I don't know about you, but uh, this new defensive coordinator, Joe Barry, fun fact, um, so when they brought in Joe Barry, they – decided that they would bring in a new defensive coordinator, but they're going to keep the assistant coaches on defense that Mike Pettin had. You know what I mean? Whether it be linebacker coaches and, you know, certain specific uh, position groups and all that. They kept those coaches, which is, in my opinion, just weird. Because when you bring in a defensive coordinator, you would think that you want him to bring in his own guys, whether that, you know, whether or not it's going to boost the team or whatever, at least, you know, you're bringing in guys that this, you know, Joe Barry would be comfortable with. So that is mind boggling to me that they would do that. It's like when uh, Matt LaFleur got hired as the Packers head coach, but he was, he had to keep Mike Pettin. It's just like, well, why, why are we doing this? I don't really see the benefit of what we're doing here. So that's just weird. In my opinion, that, that was mine. That doesn't even have anything to do with the game. I think the biggest issue with this Packers team right now is that defensive line and a lack of a pass rush. I mean, um, I don't yeah. know if you, if you were tuning into the Rami show yesterday, um, Zadarius Smith, Packers defensive end, got placed on the uh, three-week IR. So he's going to be out for a little bit after trying to fight through a back injury and all that. So that's already bad enough. But what we saw against that New Orleans Saints team is the same thing that you've seen from this Packers team for the, probably the past – I would say four to five, if not longer years, where they just simply can't stop the run game. And it's just mind-boggling that we still are, you know, here we are year in and year out every year. What is it that costs the Packers a trip to the Super Bowl? It's usually a defense. And when it's the defense, it's usually the run game. And I know Alvin Kamara, I think the world of him on the New Orleans Saints running back and all that, I think the world of Alvin Kamara, I think he's the best running back in all of football. But – it's really mind-boggling to me, especially that you run it back essentially with the same defense from last year, and you think that a new defensive coordinator is going to fix it. And really, when you look at it, the only thing that they did to improve this defense was draft a rookie cornerback in the first round. It's really, that's all they did. You're still you still got guys like Dean Lowry and Tyler Lancaster on this Packers defensive line. That I'm sorry, they're just not. They're not starters. They're not difference makers in the NFL. Are they? Should be? Should they be on rosters? Yeah, but I think those guys should be, you know, rotational uh, players and guys that are coming in at for like substitutions and all that. So, well, you know, speaking of that defensive secondary of the Packers, why is it that other other teams that their their receivers get open constantly? You know, I'm glad you brought that up because. Yes, Kevin King did get beat again um, by Deontay Harris on the New Orleans Saints for that deep ball, I think is what you're referring to. And there's a bunch of other, you know, a lot of the, those five touchdowns from Jameis Winston's, a lot a lot of them were wide open. And that is just, it's just mind-numbing, I know, yeah, for Packers should, fans. They should not be that wide open. So know. I think the the thing that, the main thing is, is look, it's, it's week one in a new defensive scheme for these guys um, that, Let's be honest. They didn't. Most of these guys didn't play in the preseason at all. I think the only person that did really was Eric Stokes, and that's the rookie corner who didn't even start. So, I think you can imagine, you know, if you were put in their shoes, trying to learn a new defensive scheme, 
not having really any practice against another team other than your yourself, you know, and Aaron Rodgers in the first team offense. And I think they had like one joint practice against the Jets too. So I I think that's the biggest blame for the defensive secondary and all that. Now, is it excusable for Kevin King to keep on getting beat by wide receivers and all that down the field? No, absolutely not. But I think we'd be fools to not at least point that out. Well, you know, the other thing, too, I was reading is about how how teams can beat Rodgers by using the cover two defense. Yeah. You, 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 you know all about that, I'm sure. Yeah, that's and, the thing, too, is um, the New Orleans Saints defense played really well. I mean, they're both uh, their offensive line and defensive line just straight up beat the Packers. I'll dive into that a little more, but uh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that that cover two defense or Tampa two, whatever they call it, you know, it seems like when they got guys over the top, it, uh, 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 what's the receiver's name, number 17? Uh, Devontae. Yeah, Devontae Adams. It seems like he's being double teamed, so you would think somebody else could get open, but they're not, which is really strange, you know? Yeah, and that that's why I say I give credit to the New Orleans Saints defense because uh, I think they don't have – the flashy player names and all that, that most of the, you know, like the LA Rams with Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald, but you still have guys like Marshawn Lattimore and Demario Davis and Malcolm Jenkins on that defense. But the thing that stood out to me the most is that they were able to play that defense and have, you know, they're able to play two, two high safeties throughout that game, mostly because their defensive line was just an animal. Yeah. against the Packers offensive yeah, line Rogers and didn't have a lot of time did yeah he? so that that's the biggest thing um honestly I, when I was watching Devontae against Marshawn Lattimore I thought he played pretty well I thought MVS and all the other guys it was just weird I felt like they're all running the same route they couldn't get open so I, I kind of blame that on Matt LaFleur too a little bit that really the guys couldn't get any offensive groove whatsoever so I do it that's the thing about um Sunday's loss I, I didn't even mention this but that's pretty much how I sum it up is Anything and everything on this Packers team played their absolute worst game, whether it be offense, defense, the coaches and play calling and defensive scheme and, you know, their game plan and all that. I mean, literally everything went wrong other than special teams. I think the the only guy you can say that had a good game was the punter, Corey Bajorquez and all that. So Yeah, well, let me ask you, well, who – I mean, I don't even know this here. Who's calling the plays? Uh, it's still, well, it's still Matt LaFleur, and you got Nathaniel Hackett as your offensive coordinator um, up in the booth and all that and helping him out too. So it's mainly those two guys. Mm. So nothing nothing really changed on offense and all that, but um, the the lack of being able to get in the groove and all that, they like the biggest thing was the Packers weren't able to establish the run game. And that, that this offense of Matt LaFleur, they need that run game. It needs to be a balanced scheme and all that in order for the offense to work, in order for Aaron Rodgers to do what he did last year, you know, winning MVP and throwing for over, you know, 40 touchdowns and all that. Yeah, you know what, I, I, you know what it, it drives me crazy in these games where they need seven or eight yards for a first down, but yet Rodgers is almost forced to throw that one or two check down, one or two yard check down pass. Yeah, because everybody else is covered, you know. No, I know. It, it, you look at all these other teams and everything. It it looks so easy. Like everything comes so easy. It almost seems like then the Packers, you know, whenever they need a first down, it seems like they're always forcing it. It always seems like they're coming up with the most complicated, you know, play call. Then you know, when's the last time you saw a halfback screen, you know, from the Packers and all that? It's honestly been a while. So I, I hear what you're saying. You know, when you when you really need a first down, you think you could just do like a ten yard out to Devontae, but 
I don't know. Yeah, you yeah, so, think so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, man, they really should be able to bounce back and really give the Detroit Lions a good beating. But um, like I said, my main, my biggest concerns about this Packers team is that defensive line for the Packers. Um, the fact that they don't really have anybody around Kenny Clark to really get any sort of a pass rush. It's they really don't even have a pass rush whatsoever. That's the that's the biggest concern of mine. So I should feel good against this Lions team. I think they do win, but I do think it is going to be a lot closer than people would expect. So I heard it's a 10-point spread. Packers favored by 10. It's actually um, gone up. Um, has it? As of now, I'm looking at it right now, um, Packers are favored by 11.5 against the Detroit Lions on Monday Night Football. Okay, if you were a betting man, would you? who would you take? Um, well, I would take the Packers to outright win, but I yeah. would um, – Correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not 100% sure on like the betting terms and all that. But I would probably take the Lions to cover. I think yeah, it's. They, I think they. they the points. You want the points. Yeah, I think the Packers do win, but I think it's you know by you know 10 or at least by a touchdown and all that. So I'd probably take the Lions to cover that spread. Yeah, well, and you know I don't know this now, but who's the quarterback for Detroit? Uh, that would be former uh, uh, L.A. Rams quarterback Jared Goff. Oh. Um, that was well, basically right, the trade with him and Matthew Stafford. Rams, no, yeah. Yeah, and honestly, I don't know if you watched. I don't know if you saw the Lions last week. Um, they were down forty-one to seventeen at one point against the San Francisco 49ers, and then they came back. I think it was uh, thirty-three to forty-one, and you know, they basically uh, just couldn't convert on the final drive. They were making a comeback. So, it, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to make of this Lions team yet. It's, it's weird because they have a rookie head coach, like you said. They brought in Jared Goff as their quarterback. Um, they really have no receivers outside of uh, former Wisconsin Badger, Quintez Cephas, and a couple others. And, of course, they have Jamal Williams, former Packers running back, and DeAndre Swift. So that that team, their whole mantra is that they are you know they just play hard and all that. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think you can really make any assumptions. I think that at the end of the day, like, the Packers should win. But uh, I think this Lions team is going to come in a lot tougher than people would expect. I think with the Packers, we don't know what to expect either still. Right. We got to wait and see. I mean, with the offense, as long as you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers behind, you know, the offensive line and all that, you're, you're going to be good. But, um, yeah, I'm like I said, I'm just really concerned about how the defense – I really want to see the defense improve more so than the offense, if that makes sense. Yeah, I know what you mean. Well, listen, we got to go to the bottom of the hour break at 730, but hopefully when we come back, folks will either be talking to uh, – uh, Mike over at Dick Smith's Bait and Tackle, or Paul Mahalik, uh, uh, guide uh, extraordinaire. So anyway, we got more stuff coming up here on the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. Th- Sam, thank you for all that insight. That yeah, was and fun. It, and it's no wonder you're on uh, 1250 Sports Radio, the fan, you know. I mean, you got the stuff down. You remember a lot more names than what I can remember, that's for sure. I, uh, the re- well, I... One of our uh, sponsors is Waukesha Sports Cards, and um, when I was a kid and all that, that's pretty much, I mean, my dad and that shop is, like, literally why I do sports, because I grew up, you know, I got into sports through, uh, you know, trading cards and all that, and memorabilia, oh, okay. so, yeah, it's a, it's a big reason why I'm here. Well, and, and yeah, and that's the reason why uh, you're uh, growing in fame and doing more and more things there at the station, so. Okay, we'll be right back. Thank you, Sam. Folks, stay tuned for more. I'm Tom Neubauer, right here on the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors.
when I was doing a radio show on another station, this was my theme song, <laughs> Sharp Dressed Man. It's a great theme song. Yeah, the, well, the reason why it was my theme song, because I was the exact opposite. I was not a sharp dressed man. <laughs> you and me both, man. But we'll talk to, right now we're going to talk to the sharp dressed guide. Right now we got Paul Mahalik on the line. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Tom. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing okay. Bushy's not here today. He's up trying to get a friend a bear this weekend. So it's just just me, man in the mic. So how's your fishing going so far? It, it, it's it's getting better. It's uh, I've been chasing uh, 75% muskies and then uh, doing some panfish trips uh, on the Madison chain and Delavan. Yeah. Water... Uh, the water will be cooling down after <clears throat> after Monday, and those fish will be going a little bit. Yeah, things things are starting to cool down a little bit. It's not so hot, and that that's good. Uh, and uh, are you doing uh, more musky fishing on Pewaukee, or do you do it at other lakes? Well, at Madison Chain once in a while, but Pewaukee's so close, and <clears throat> it's a unique fishery. You know, you you got quality and quantity in that lake, which is you know sort of unheard of on a lot of musky lakes you know yeah, it's yeah. one or the have other generally so yeah it's one of my favorite uh musky lakes actually have you been doing any walleye fishing on pewaukee i have not i'm gonna save that for ice fishing oh really yeah you got the hot spots for it <laughs> well i i did uh 40 years ago but yeah. uh you know the and the, the walleye population is upcoming up out there so uh there, there, there should be some uh, uh, nice fishing out there this uh, next couple of years for sure. You know, you're right. Forty years ago, I can remember back forty years ago when I caught some of my best walleyes on Pewaukee Lake. Oh, it was unbelievable! Unbelievable. Matter I mean, of fact, was... I caught some uh, three beautiful walleyes while musky fishing, so on suckers. <laughs> so yeah. it was just an accidental day, you know. Yeah, and we get we get about one uh, walleye a year on uh, musky suckers, yeah. and they're usually. Uh, bigger than 26 inches there you know they they hit those you wouldn't think it'll happen but you know once yeah, in a blue can, moon though. it does it can and uh so so you're going to be so you've been doing a lot of guiding and you're going to be doing that this fall this should be a a really good fall for you right oh it, it, it should be but you know with that west end launch being tore up uh you know uh, it, it could be uh a little a bit of problem getting spots to park and that kind oh, of stuff that's right because only smokies will have a place to park now to yeah, launch it's gonna it. be it's gonna be a little tougher and you know i might jump over to madison or geneva too and mm -hmm. check that out because the musky popular you know the muskies in geneva are starting to grow big now too oh yeah well and you know you got a big lake with a with a good forage base for them to be feeding on so that that could turn out to be one heck of a good musky. Oh, oh yeah, I think that's going to be a sleeper lake, you know. But there's a lot of structure out there, so a guy's got to learn it. Yeah, you know, I've been I was talking to Tilkey up on Smokies on the Bay, and the Bay of Green Bay, their perch fishing is is just. He said it's been excellent. Uh, a lot of guys catching a lot of limits of big perch up there. And have you ever fished the Bay for perch? I did many years ago through the ice, but <clears throat> I haven't been up in that neck of the woods for a while. You know, I we, I did a couple of walleye deals off the rivers and stuff up in that way in the yeah. spring, but uh, I, uh, I I stick down in south south you know east area down here. I like it. You, you know, I I I enjoy fishing for any kind of fish, especially bass. You know. 
But I'll tell you what, my one son and I, we've been catching a lot of panfish on uh, uh, Conemawk Lake, the big bluegills. Oh, yeah, there's some beautiful. They, they got, there's a lot of big gills there in that lake. And I remember, you know, I fished that lake a long time ago, too, you know, probably as long as you long, you know, 40 years ago. And that, uh, and what the big hot bait there through the ice was at the time was wigglers. But now with the plastics that came out, uh, wigglers sort of are, are by the wayside now, and there's so many good plastic baits. And, yeah, there is some beautiful bluegills out there. Oh, yeah. My, my son and I, the last couple of times, you know, as a matter of fact, we probably, when we go out there, we probably fish more for the bluegills than we do for the bass <laughs> or anything else. I mean, I used to fish a lot of muskies out there. I did. I haven't fished for a muskie yet this year, not once this year yet. And and, that, uh, and that's a t- and that's a tough lake for muskies. You know, you just can't go out to Conemwalk and say, "Well, today I'm going to fish muskies." If you don't have, uh, you know a lot of cloud cover or rain or something coming in, you know, on clear days, it's a really a tough nut to crack. Yeah, you got to fish deep on those days, fish deep. Oh, absolutely. And if you don't know where to go, you know, over the years, it's gotten more weeds, but years ago, there were very few weeds in that lake, and guys would come out, and they'd be looking for spots to fish, and they just got, they would get frustrated and just leave, you know, and never go back, but... They've gotten more weeds out there, which means it's a little bit easier finding the fish, you know. Find yeah, you, you find some good weeds, you generally find some good fish. Yes, exactly. And those bluegills, boy, I'll tell you. <laughs> oh, and they, you know what, what I like about it is, I mean, they're fun to catch, but they're very good eating. You know, oh, they're That's my favorite fish to eat, I, yeah. bar none. Definitely. <clears throat> and and yeah. now coming this fall, I was talking about it earlier on the show, coming this fall, we always catch the perch in shallower water, uh, and that'll be coming up when that water temperature starts getting down there to, like, in the low 60s. For some okay. reason, I don't know why those perch, they come into shallower water, and you got to sort through them, but you can catch sure. a handful of those 10-inchers, you know. Uh, yeah, and a lot of times, you know, when you're hovering around that 60 degrees, you know, that's just before turnover, and a lot of these fish, they'll slide in. Yeah. that just skinnier water and then you know after turnover you know then they're a lot of times they're looking for that deepest uh water in the lake because you know there's no thermocline anymore right yeah they move out deeper uh, absolutely after, you know, in later fall yeah but early on but boy there's so many little ones too you got to sort through but you know my favorite bait using is the mini mite because i don't have to fool around with live bait yep no that, exactly so and there's just, so many you know that that pl- the plastics now are you know it, a lot of times you don't even need live bait anymore. Right, exactly. But you know what? Live bait does not hurt when you're fishing. No, no you gotta always have. You gotta have it along. Always have That's it. That's right. Have it along just in case. Yeah. So if people want to get in touch with you for a trip for muskies, especially muskies, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, um, four one four five two zero zero five four two. You know, you're gonna have to get a website one of these days. I'm a dinosaur. I'm 66 years old. I, <laughs> I, I, uh, I mean, word of mouth, and uh, I, I, I'm just not into that height. I'm lucky I can read a fish locator, Tom. You know, hey, I'm, I'm, the, I'm with you. You know, I'll tell you, you know, Paul, you know, every, you know, all these new fancy locators, the side imaging, front imaging, all these different things, you know. I was telling Bushy a while back, I said, you know what, just give me a locator. It can be, even be a flasher. I don't care. Flasher, liquid crystal. As long as I can see where the weeds are and the drop-offs are, you know, the weed line edges, 
and then the, it'll tell you hard bottom or soft bottom. That's all I need. You know, that's all yep. I need. Yep, and that is, and you got to know what you're looking at. And if you know what you're looking at, uh, that that's the, the whole thing in a nutshell. Yeah, and know what you, you got to understand the fish, where the fish like to hang out, what they like to eat. You know, I mean, granted, you might not be in the right spot sometimes, but then again, you go to enough spots that you know of, and eventually you're going to find them, you know, eventually. So, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, so, yeah, all they got to do is call Paul. I like that, call Paul, at 414-520-0542. And your business cards are over at Smokey's Bait and Tackle, right? They are. Yeah, so they can always, you know, get a business card over there. So, hey, listen, thanks for spending a few minutes with me, Paul. I do appreciate it. No problem, Tom. You guys take it easy, huh? Hey, you too. Take care, my friend. Bye now. Bye now. Well, folks, it's 7.43. No, I take it back. 7.44 in the a.m. on a beautiful Saturday morning. We were supposed to have rain last night. What happened to it? I was looking forward to it to to water my garden, but I guess I'm going to have to water today. Oh, well, what are you going to do? Hey, listen, we got one more break coming up. Last break of the day. We're brought to you by Baitmate Fish Attractants. So stay tuned, folks. One more break. Now, oh, by the way, here is something I'm going to do special for the last segment. You can ask me anything. Ask Tom anything. I mean, if it's a little too personal, I'm going to tell you to fly a kite, okay? But you can ask me anything at 414-799-1250 or at ceoguys at yahoo.com. We'll be right back, folks. It's the back folks and that's right it is the final countdown last segment of the show right here on this beautiful saturday morning of the 18th of september boy time is what happened to the summer it just flew by boy oh boy oh boy well anyway i got a few quite you know like i said what we're gonna do is uh you can ask me anything at 414-799-1250 or you can email me at ceoguys at yahoo.com you can ask me anything Within reason. Now, remember that. Now, I got a question, though. One of the questions is, why do these bass guys, I see this all the time. I go on these bass sites, you know, the pro bass anglers, they're wearing, it's like they're fishing in winter. They got these gloves on. They got the, the, the headgear, you know, the whole, everything's covered, their whole head, except for maybe, except for their eyes, you know. It's like, well, what are they dressing for? It's it's not that cold out. I mean, later on it will be. They probably need that stuff. But, you know, when we fished bass years ago in bass tournaments, you never seen that. Nobody was covering themselves up like it was uh, winter out. I, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I just don't understand it. Call me old-fashioned, if you will. But we were, you know, talking about muskies before. And I can gear, I can actually guarantee you more muskies. If you're a muskie angler or you are a wannabe muskie angler, you're going to start getting into muskie fishing. And, and now we're not talking trolling, okay? This is for casting. I can guarantee you more muskies in one simple, easy trick to do. Years ago, somebody told me this. I don't remember who it was, but whoever it was, I thank them dearly. Because over the years, I've caught more muskies because of it. And that's by putting a split-tail trailer at the end of your bucktail or topwater lures. 
even on some of your uh, diving, the big crankbaits like Schwartz's slammers, even on slammers, putting on a, a twister tail on the back or um, on the back trailer hook or a split tail trailer, that split tail trailer on the back of a bucktail or a topwater bait, I'm telling you, folks, what happens is, is you're going to see more muskies because of I don't know why. I don't know why it is, but it is true. You will see more muskies if you have like a split tail trailer. And by the way, the one I use is by Zoom, Z-O-O-M, Zoom Products. They make a split tail trailer. It's got to be white. Don't color coordinate. If you got a chartreuse bucktail, put a chartreuse one on, or a black bucktail, put a black. No, 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 no. It's got to be white, okay? Use a white split tail trailer, and I guarantee you, you'll see more fish. And if you see more fish, you will eventually catch more fish. And over the years, that has proven so true to me. I can't tell you how many times, you know, that I've seen more fish. I w- I'll tell you, I'm seriously serious. I would not throw a bucktail if I didn't have a split tail trailer on it. I'd have to leave the lake and go to local. I'd have to go over to Dick Smith's Bait and Tackle and buy some, or Smokies, or, or wherever. You know, I'd have to go get out of the water and go buy some because I just would not throw it. Now, if I don't have a split tail trailer, which is my favorite, a white split tail trailer, then I'll put a three or four inch a twister type tail, you know, a curly tail on the back. Got to be white, of course. And so I will do that. And, you know, the same thing holds true for your spinner baits and buzz baits. I wouldn't throw a spinner bait or a buzz bait without that split tail trailer. I catch more fish with it than without it. I I guarantee it. I know for a fact you will. So just try that. Just, you know, there are certain things I've learned over the years that just, you know, are just ring true with me and they work all the time. And then, you know what's weird, though? Stuff that I used to use years ago, I don't use as much of nowadays. And then when I do... I catch fish on it still. It's like, you you know, you take that size 11 or 13 Rapala, the floating black and silver Rapala. Boy, I'll tell you, that's a staple, right? That's been around for years. I haven't used one of those in years. And then a few years ago, my son and I, we were on uh, uh, upper and lower Namavin. As a matter of fact, we were on lower Namavin. And, you know, fishing was getting a little slow. We weren't getting that many hits. And I saw this in my box, you know, with some of my twitch baits, you know, and I went, oh, I haven't thrown this thing in, I I swear to God, it had to be 20, 30 years. I put one, and and why it was still in my tackle box, I don't know. I don't want to get rid of some things, I guess. I tied it on, started, I started catching fish after fish. They still work, you know, stuff that you use, you know, like the plastic worms we use now, they they look like a pen, right, A, a pencil or a pen. It's nothing fancy about them at all. And you just hook them right through the middle, throw them out, twitch them a little bit, fish eat them up. It's called a wacky presentation. It works great, right? Now, I haven't used a curly tail plastic worm, or I should say a ribbon tail plastic worm, or one of the other many plastic worms that I have in my collection. I haven't used them in years. Then I thought this last year, I thought, you know what? I'm going to try those again. And you know what? They still work. I don't know, you know, maybe, you know, not only do we forget about them, but I think the fish have forgot about them too. You know, whether or not fish have long memories or not, I'm not so sure if they do. I I think they're shorter memories, but I think they can get conditioned to certain types of lures being thrown all the time at them, you know. And sometimes you got to 
they got to change it up a little bit, you know, throw them off their game. So the thing is, is that, you know, some of that old stuff that you used to use. I hear, here's another one, a jitterbug. When was the last time you threw a jitterbug? When was, when was the last time you even looked at a jitterbug? Do you ever even see them in the stores anymore? I mean, and I'll, I, get, I bet you you start throwing a jitterbug in shallow water, especially in, at night or in the evening or in the early morning when it's calm in that. I bet you catch fish on it still. I, I know it still works. I mean, heck, it, used, it worked years ago. It'll work again. You know, there's a lot of lures that are like that. You know, so you know, don't get go, don't get rid of those old lures that you have laying around. Okay, don't get rid of them because you'd be surprised. And you know, if if you're getting stale and using the same thing over and over again, and all of a sudden you're not catches catching as many fish, try a different color, try a different lure, try a different depth. You know, try something different. You know, when you're fishing, you gotta kind of like be a boy scout. Be prepared. Be prepared for anything. Be prepared for fishing and shell. As a matter of fact, I'm prepared. I'm supposed to go out to a lake with one of my sons. I got a frog tied on because I know I'm going to be using a frog. I got a wacky worm tied on. I know I'm going to be using a wacky worm, right? What I'm going to use after that, I don't know. But I know those two I'm going to catch fish on. But I might have to use something else. Who knows? Because if it's not working, you got to try something else. Now, let's face it. Sometimes those fish are in a negative feeding mood, and you're not going to catch a darn thing no matter what you throw. That can happen, okay? That can happen. But most of the time, they're in a neutral feeding mood, so you got to entice them to bite. And that's when your smarts come in. you got to try a number of different things, okay? And, you know, if you do that, you're going to be successful. I mean, let's face it. These lakes around us here, folks, they got a ton of fish in them. And they are catchable. And I am confident you will catch them, especially if you keep listening to the Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors with me and Danny, you know, because we're hopefully going to put you on the right spot. But listen, folks, that's all I got for today. Thanks for tuning in. I do appreciate it. And Danny will be back next week, and we'll be talking more of the out- great outdoors here in the state of Wisconsin. Talk to you all next week, my friends. To all the listeners, thanks for listening, and God bless and stay free, everyone. Spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 